Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Ukraine Uncovered, podcast about the war in Ukraine by Ukrainians. And we'd like to start it from a story. Written based on my grandmother's memories. 1945, Yelena Kris. It was frightening, we had nowhere to go. We fell asleep in our beds to the eerie buzzing of fighter planes overhead. A scary lullaby. Some were houses were exploding, some were screams were heard, but our house at 12 Connes Street in Odessa survived. In the morning, we walked amongst the corpses to look for our relatives. Deep in our hearts, we were glad we didn't find them. When I was 15 years old, my father disappeared. He didn't come back from the war. We found out he was killed defending our motherland. On April 10th, Odessa was saved. Victory day, we were saved. We can go to the sea again, dance, laugh, and not be afraid to die from the scary screeching nighttime killer planes. I walked home. I looked up in the sky through the chestnuts at the eagle flaunting over our house and at the bright rays of sunlight. Why them? I opened the door. I cried for the first time in a long time. He was standing with his back to me, handsome, manly, in a suit, alive. Lenochka, I love you so much. Marry me. I spent three days on the open sea after a shipwreck without food and water and the only thing that helped me to survive was knowing I would see you again. Nowadays, it's 2023, the eagle is still standing, and I, like my grandmother, love chestnuts. Oh, my dear grandparents, if you only knew who would attack us this time, and that I would have to face the war as you did. On February 24th, 2022, the war began. Grandma's stories came alive. They became our reality. Horrible reality. History repeats itself. On February 20th, 2022, my co-host Pavlo and I left for the United States from Ukraine. At first, the plan was to take the bar exam in New York. That happens twice per year. By the way, congratulations on passing this and then a dream trip to Chicago, San Francisco, LA, and to see my family in Miami. It happened just four days before the full invasion of Ukraine started. And it means we couldn't go back home to Kyiv, but originally we are from Odessa. And because I used to live in Ireland between 2015 and 2019, and I have a lot of friends here who supported us, we came to Dublin on March 10th, 2022. It was supposed to be just for two weeks, but more than a year later, we are still here because the war is going on. I'm an experienced social engagement and diversity and inclusion consultant, winner of the European Union Digitalization for Civil Society Award, writer and a business owner. And as Anna said, I'm Pavlo. I'm an international lawyer and also a civil society activist from Ukraine. As you probably know, today is 428th day of the Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Today is also 414th day since we arrived here to Ireland. But as Anna told, our story starts a bit earlier, 432 days ago when we left Ukraine to the United States, not because we were running from the war, but because we had another plans. 
and we ended up being temporary displaced persons in Ireland. When we arrived here, having experience in civil society, we wanted to do something useful with our skills, and we started United for Changes initiative, aimed at helping Irish government to integrate temporary displaced Ukrainians in Ireland through their professional growth. But with time passes, we also saw that uh, when going to different events and conferences, people start to ask questions. Please tell us about what's really going on in Ukraine. Uh, be tired of reading news or, and all these stories. What's happening is a news fatigue, so people are tired from the stories they hear from regular media. That's how we sought with Anna to start this podcast, when we will tell the stories of what's going on in Ukraine from the ground. The idea of podcast is tell you weekly updates of the main events happening in Ukraine, but from the horse's mouth, from the first sources in Ukraine, to connect you with experts and eyewitnesses from Ukraine, to share stories of people inside of Ukraine and share stories of people who were displaced from Ukraine and how they integrate into different societies. As well, we also want to uncover to you some facts about Ukraine, its language, culture, history. Probably here you would not hear something you hear from mainstream media. We would try to provide you still with verified information and sources. We will tell you different stories of what's happened during this time and gonna happen. We will tell you about siege of Mariupol, about reconstruction of Ukraine, about the mining, and we also want to focus on destroying myths of Russian propaganda. And since, as I told you, it's already 428 days of Russian full-scale invasion, before we deep dive into what's happened within last week, we want to go briefly with you what's, what was happening with the war all this time. And one of the myths which you can hear from Russian propaganda that first they would say that they would never in invaded Ukraine, but actually we want to uh, elaborate a little bit on when the war exactly started because as I told you on 24th February last year began Russian full-scale invasion but the war in Ukraine actually began in 2014. And that's why Russian propaganda always ask where have you been all these eight years? Yeah last year they started to say that we are not invading Ukraine we're starting special military operation to liberate Donbass and so on. But what's actually happened in 2014? In 2014, revolution of dignity won in Ukraine and more pro-European, uh, pro-democratic forces came into power. And during victory of revolution of dignity in Ukraine, Russian forces used this period of time to annex Crimea, to back up separatist forces on the eastern part of Ukraine, and since then, uh, Crimean territory and regions of east of Ukraine called Donbass, which is Donetsk and Lugansk region, were occupied by Russian-backed uh, forces. So that's when the actual war began. What happened in February last year, at 14 March ago, was the beginning of Russian full-scale invasion. And then we'll go through each month of what's happening very briefly with you to understand to what the events happening all during all this time. So 14 months ago at 4.55 a.m. on February 24th, Ukraine uh, woke up with the sounds and noises of explosions, shelling, air raid sirens. Residents of many cities of Ukraine, including Kharkiv, Odessa, Kyiv, woke up from the sounds of explosion. 
In a little while, this day, Ukrainian parliament declared martial law on the territory of Ukraine. This is because full-scale Russian invasion began. Also in February, Ministry of Defense called everyone who know how to fight to join territorial defense forces. That's how Ukrainian defense from full-scale invasion began. Next day, on February 25th, this day became known by the famous phrase of the defenders of the islands Mini, which is in the south in, of Ukraine in the Black Sea, where Ukrainian coastal guards showed the direction to the Russian battleship. Russian battleship asked the soldiers of islands Mini to step down, to surrender and gave up their weapons. Uh, to which one of the defenders of the island said a uh, famous phrase, Russian battleship go... And to, know what to do next. To, ...to the famous direction, which became viral on the internet, which later became even the postmark, which was not possible to buy online. And it became a symbol. Yeah, so, so this first couple of days of war in the February was terrific shock to everyone. We still saw lots of courage in Ukrainian people and people trying to find good things and humor even in the bad sides. And through all this month, starting from February, probably not only Ukrainians, but the world discovered that Ukrainians has their own type of black sense of humor. So we're kind of trying to find good things in every situation. One major event, except for lots of battles, which has happened in February, was February 27th when Russian forces destroyed the biggest in the world cargo uh, airplane called Maria. Uh, but the, the February was lots of attacks, lots of defending. March was significant by the mass attacks by Russians to Ukrainian cities. In particular, there been a huge bomb dropped uh, on maternity hospital in Mariupol. At least seven people were killed. Russian propaganda were trying to say that these pictures is a footage or orchestrated. On March 16, there was another attack in Mariupol when Russia dropped a superpower bomb on Mariupol drama theater, uh, where hundreds of people were seeking refuge and hiding in the basements. The terrific part of the story that in order to safeguard people inside and especially children, which were hiding there inside, uh, someone drove towards uh, children outside of the drama theater. And those footages were, were seen from the sky, but that's not stopped Russians from dropping the bombs. Uh, just recently, Google updates its Google Maps uh, pictures of uh, city of Mariupol. So if everyone who wants can go to Google Maps, put Mariupol and you can find what's actually a Russian so-called liberation created in Mariupol and all these destructions. So that was March. April started with the good news because on April 2nd, Ukrainian armed forces liberated entire Kyiv region from Russian invaders. So in a month since the start of the invasion, the Kyiv was liberated. Uh, when Russia announced its so-called special operation on Ukrainian territory, they wanted to occupy Ukraine and surrender Ukraine in three days and to do a parade on, uh, on the streets of Kyiv in three days. But what said actually happened, they were kicked off from the Kyiv region on April 2nd. With the good news came bad news because while Ukrainian forces were entering suburbs of Kyiv, they entered 
uh, suburbs of Bucha, Irpen, then moved to Gostomel, far more north to Kiev, and there have been discovered lots of terrific atrocities which uh, Russian forces committed on this in these regions just in a month's time by the being there. On April 8th, Russian missile hit the Kromatorks railway station where the hundreds of people were trying to evacuate from this region. Also in April was significant by the news that on April 12th, the Ukrainian secret forces, which called SBU, detained Viktor Medvedchuk, its pro-Russian politician and best man of Russian President Vladimir Putin. And that's provoked a lot of, again, viral stories and memes on the, the celebrating, captivating uh, this person. They captivated him, uh, him at the moment when he tried to escape Ukraine, uh, pretending that he's a soldier. Also on April 13th, it was a special day uh, because Ukrainian cruise missile was uh, called Neptune, uh, took down Russian battleship called Moscow. It was a Russian cruiser, which Russian forces were saying that that's the best ship they have, their landmark vessel uh, on the Black Sea. So one test launch of Ukrainian missile left Neptune uh, sinking down. And that created a lot of celebration, proving that the defendants of the Tmini island was right. The main month was with its ups and downs, good news uh, passing with the bad news. The good news was the Ukraine won Eurovision Song Contest uh, in Italy. So Ukrainian band Color Orchestra won with its song Stefania. And at the end of this, his, uh, their award ceremony, they, uh, one of the singers said to his supported defenders of Azov style, he said that please liberate defenders of Mariupol. Then Google searches showed that his like, one sentence provoked a lot of attention to this situation and people googled what is Azov style, where is Mariupol. Later on May 17th, uh, known defenders of Azov style who defended Mariupol during all these three months which was under siege, received a signal from high command of Ukraine to surrender, to save their lives. Since then, they were in captivity in Russia. June, when we came closer to summer, then been more good news, because on 23rd of June, Ukraine together with Moldova received its uh, status and candidate for accession to the European Union, which again provoked a lot of uh, aspirations inside of Ukraine since even during the war we are moving toward European Union integration. Also in June, Ukraine received uh, reactive artillery systems called HIMARS, which allowed Ukrainian forces to advance on the battlefield. Also on June 24th, uh, one of uh, Ukrainian charitable foundation called Pritulo Foundation announced the huge fundraising campaign to buy three military drones pro uh, produced in Turkey called Bayraktar. They needed to gather about uh, 600 million freemas to buy three uh, military drones. And they were actually able to collect this amount of money in less than three days. Turkish producer of these uh, military drones was so inspired by the stories of Ukrainians, how they united, so they uh, gave these drones for free as a donation to support Ukraine. And the Pretula Foundation uh, said that they would think about how they can use this money. So what they actually did also became viral because uh, the head of this Pretula Foundation came in life and said, 
Okay guys, so we have the drones, we wanted to use this money properly and we decided to buy a satellite. So what they actually bought is access to satellite system which again helped Ukraine to go, uh, Ukrainian forces to get many useful intels in terms of how, where Russian forces are located, how they are moving and that helped uh, to save uh, more lives of Ukrainian soldiers and civilian Ukrainians. And we, and we call the satellite the national satellite because Ukrainians donated money for it. And it was crazy. Someone donated 50 cents, someone donated one euro, someone donated like 500 euros. So it's like really a national satellite. But unfortunately, not only got news for in June, on June 27, a Russian missile uh, had a shopping center called Amstor in Kremenchuk region. Uh, 21 people were died, uh, many people were injured. Once again, Russian propaganda were trying to say that they are hitting some military object, but they actually hit the trade center when there was gathering of one of alumni preparing for prom uh, and so on. July started with the good news. On July 7, Ukrainian flag was again on the Dmyini island. Russian forces retrieved from the island and Ukrainian forces uh, took control of it. Russian forces called it gesture of goodwill. But what's actually happened that thanks to uh, different artillery systems which Ukraine received, Ukrainian forces were able to reach this island and Russian decided to retrieve, especially since they lost their cruiser Moscow. But not only good news again, the, all these 12 months it's upside and down. On July 14, Russians shelled center of Vinitsa city. Uh, at least 20 people died, uh, many people injured. Also in July, Russian forces shelled the captivity facility in Olenivka, Donetsk region when Ukrainian prisoners of war were kept by Russians. Uh, there are terrific footages on the internet, which we would probably want not be allowed to show you on YouTube due to policies, but you can Google and see what's actually happening in Olenivka. That's ended the July, August months was significant in terms of first grain cargo left uh, Odessa seaport since the moment of full-scale Russian invasion. As you know, uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine created global food crisis. So thanks to efforts of different counterparts under the grain deal backed up by Turkey and the United Nations, U Ukraine start, were able to start delivering uh, necessary food supply to different regions in August months was the first month that the first cargo left from Odessa seaport to Tripoli seaport in the Lebanon. And since then, it's initiated corridor to support with the food supplies and to resolve this food crisis. Also, August, 21st August is the day of Ukrainian independence since 1991. And this, that was the first independence day during the time of war. And Ukraine wanted to show that uh, Ukraine st still stands. So there was a parade in the center of Kyiv, but this parade was not with Ukrainian military, but it was actually with uh, Russian military equipment. Because Russians wanted to do a military parade on the center of Khrushchev with their tanks uh, and other military equipment. So Ukraine decided to support the parade. So Ukraine, Ukrainian government decided to do a parade of Russian military equipment on Khrushchev Street in the center of Kyiv, but that was actually destroyed 
military equipment of Russian forces, although that military equipment which the Russians left when they were running from Kyiv in April last year. September also was months of kind of good news. At the start, Ukrainian troops launched its first counteroffensive in Kharkiv region in September 8th and was able to liberate all the Kharkiv region during a couple of days. The Ukrainian forces cut, got Russian forces by surprise and they retrieved all the region and Russian forces again were running, leaving their equipment and so on. But with this, the more Ukraine liberated Kharkiv region, the more uh, they discovered atrocities. They found 440 bodies in liberated city of Izum in a massive grave. But also in September, on September 21, there was a first exchange of prison, massive exchange of prisoners. 215 people, military personnel were exchanged. October months was significant by the uh, Ukraine receiving on October 7, first ever for Ukraine Nobel Peace Prize. Ukraine had so-called gracious fire has descended. On October 8th, uh, there was a fire on Crimean bridge. That's actually the bridge which Russia built to connect uh, Crimean Peninsula with mainland Russia after occupying and uh, annexing Crimea. And they were using this bridge all this time adding their one of the main transport connections to deliver military supplies via railway to Crimea. So there, was explo there were explosions uh, on the Crimean bridge uh, after that. That's again created lots of celebration because it's good news, it's cut Russian forces from the supply. But on, on the other hand, on October 10th, at the response, Russia launched first massive attack on Ukrainian energy infrastructure. And on October 17th, Russia first hit uh, Ukraine with Iranian drones. Since then, it's began, uh, started very hard period inside of Ukraine for civilian population because since October 17 with these massive drones attacks Russians started to attack more and more uh, civilian critical infrastructure. Though on, in November, on November 11, Ukrainian forces entered and liberated part of Kherson region and Ukrainian forces were met with a lot of support from local population who waited them. So when the Ukrainian forces were able to enter into Kherson, people who were dating, they occupied Kherson for these months, they went out of the street with Ukrainian flags, singing Ukrainian anthems, hugging uh, Ukrainian military forces. It was, a, it was a story of a woman from Kherson region. She actually hid Ukrainian flag uh, in the land so there was a tree and in her gardens, so she hid her flag in, in a garden and then her son was liberated, she took it from her garden and showed it to, to the media. That was good part of, uh, of November, but that, there was also a bad part of November because Russian continued to shell Ukrainian civilian infrastructure. Uh, on November 23rd, Russians targeted hospital in the Porygia region and they will keep targeting uh, Ukrainian cities. So many cities uh, left without electricity for days or for, for weeks. And given that we are in the 21st century, everything is uh, electrified. It means that when there is no electricity, likely there is no water supplies, there is no heating. And as probably you know, closer to November, the winters in Ukraine became more and more cold 
and that was incredibly difficult for people to navigate through those months. So Ukrainian uh, energy authorities tried to do their best to restore critical infrastructure as quickly as possible, but still there have been a lot of damage. Well, Anna, you were in Ukraine in November last year. Can you t tell me? Yeah, I was there and it was horrible because I was standing in the city center on Deribatsovka Street in Odessa and I saw the news that 120 missiles were launched on Ukraine. And you are standing there and you are thinking, what should I do now? Like go to the bomb shelter, go home, try to save my family. What are the next steps? And then a few hours later, you know, you see on the news what infrastructural objects were, were hitted by these missiles. And there's no light in the city center. Just imagine you're like in Paris or Berlin or New York, wherever. And just like that, all electricity goes down. And you are standing there just in the moonlight. And you're like, okay, cool, what will, go ne what will be next? You're going home in the dark city. No electricity. And you have no water, no internet, no like telephone connection. So I even couldn't call Pasha and say that I'm fine. I can't imagine what he was feeling here in Dublin. It was crazy, but again, people were trying to be on the positive side. Like really, it was something absolutely different for me. People started to like knock in the door saying, hey friend, I have like electricity. Maybe I will, I will not have it in the next two hours, but let's go there. Let's like charge our telephones, have some shower, cook some food. And it continues during the next week. So people were trying to survive, but thanks God, our, our governments, they're doing their best. So now things are getting, getting better. Thinking of November's this blackout when I was a child um, in 90s. Uh, again, Ukraine and Russia always had these difficult relations because Russia wanted to patronize Ukraine. And they, as they did during this year, they tried to use energy as a leverage on Ukraine to make the Ukraine do, do what's geopolitically beneficial to Russia. So some year in the middle of 90s, I don't remember the exact year, Russia cut off uh, gas supplies to Ukraine for almost a week, I believe. And me and my parents were, were in Odessa at that time, one week without electricity. Even in the 90s, without electricity was kind of difficult, but I remember it still. I didn't know at that time all these geopolitics things of it, but I remember that we used to have a fireplace in our home, so we used that fireplace to warm ourselves, uh, play board games uh, with parents. That was nice, nice period of time, but the times were different. We were not so connected to technologies, to internet, to television. We were not so dependent on it, but in 21st century when we so dependent, right? The lack of electricity creates lots of problems. My parents were saying that the electricity turned on for a couple of hours in the middle of the night and you need to be woke up at this time to charge your phone, to do whatever you want to get water supply. So that's really changes everything. But that's what happened in, the, in November and across the winter going on with the blackouts. Over time, situation improved. So to be honest, it, I believe it's more or less improved just recently, uh, in a couple of months' time. But November, December was difficult. December months was significant also, but by the 
uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukrainian president, visit to, to the United States. Uh, you probably heard of this story at the beginning of the war when U.S. president offered President Zelensky to evacuate from Ukraine. And he said, I don't need to attack any Denama. And that was all the campaign. He stayed for almost eight months of the war, war inside of Ukraine. And this gesture united a lot of people and showed the example of bravery. And the December visit of Zelensky before Christmas to, to the US was also significant because people were starting to think since president left Ukraine to this very important visit, that's a good sign uh, of future support of Ukraine uh, and so on. So president visit, uh, visited the US on 21st, 22nd of December, spoke to the Congress. Bad news of this month, except of constant shelling that was on 29th of December, uh, Russian shelled Kyiv region. They also repeated it on the New Year's Eve 31st of December, there was a raid siren uh, for almost three hours because Russians launched about 20 missiles over the territory of Ukraine. Not the biggest attack compared to 100 missiles uh, in October and November. It's provoked lots of distress on New Year's Eve, but still uh, meeting the 1st of January, Ukrainian people celebrated and tried to find good things. There is a video which we will show you uh, right now when on the 1st of January, first minutes of the New Year's Eve, with blackout, people of Ukraine go outside on their balconies or open the windows and think together. And that's very huge spirit of unity, which you can see in this video just in a moment. Also in January, again, attacks, Russian missile had Dnipro, a residential building, instead of 72 apartments, which were there, now the, there was a rumble. Uh, at least 46 people died, many people injured. Uh, among those who died are six children. The evacuation, or how you call it, the operation to save and retrieve people took many long hours until the government said, okay, we did what's best to save people. On February, Joe Biden played a return visit to Ukraine. Uh, there's interesting story that uh, people usually ask, like how everything operates in Ukraine. The strategic enterprises of the world try to operate. One of them is ra Ukrainian railway. Since the airspace of Ukraine is closed, you are not able to travel to Ukraine by air. Most of the world leaders who visit Ukraine, they take a train from Poland, which drives them directly uh, to Kyiv, so Joe Biden sat on about, I believe, 10 or 12 hours train ride from from Poland to to visit Kyiv for a couple of hours, but he paid his back visit to Ukraine, which is quite significant and again supportive because he was first US president who visited Ukraine in 15 years. During COVID times, again, not many leaders visited Ukraine, but that showed for Ukrainians lots of support. March months was significant by the International Criminal Court uh, issued arrest warrant for the Vladimir Putin, which means that more than 100 signatories countries to the Rome Statute, which is one of the main documents of International Criminal Court, have 
a duty to arrest Vladimir Putin if he visits one of those countries. So you see lots of things happening and probably we missed some of those things. So we used very helpful summary of uh, Ukrainian Gazette or an online media called Ukrainian Truth, which was helpful to prepare a summary. But many other things and suffering happen with many other significant battles happening during all this time. To sum it up, I just want to give you some couple of stats of what's happening during this time. So on January 15 this year, United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights released its report that showed that more than 18,000 civilian casualties over the year of the full-scale invasion inside of Ukraine. Among these more than 18,000, the, the death toll is about 7,000. And that's only the verified numbers which U United Nations Commissioner for Human Rights uh, was able to confirm because there are parts of Ukraine which are still under the occupation and the more territories they occupied, unfortunately, the more data would come through uh, and the numbers are might be significantly higher. Also, President Commissioner for Children's Rights released report uh, in which she said that they identified at least 16,226 children which were abducted by Russians from the occupied territories of Ukraine. Once again, according to the commissioner, that's the children which identities are verified and they know exactly, and there are likely more of those whom we don't know and yet to verify. Uh, also, Ministry of Reintegration of Ukraine reported on the number of displaced people. So we know that uh, invasion of Ukraine last year provoked another refugee crisis, uh, which is unprecedented in terms of numbers within short period of time. So for your understanding, UNHCR recorded more than 8 millions of, internal, uh, of displaced people in Europe. So those are Ukrainian refugees in different countries of Europe, but except of 8 million outside of Ukraine, there is a huge number of internally displaced people. So uh, according to Ministry of Reintegration of Ukraine, there's about 5 million of registered internally displaced people inside of Ukraine. But they're saying that the real number is about 7 or more millions because not all of all the displaced people inside of country registered their status. Those people are mostly people who were running from the east and south regions of Ukraine, which were affected by the war the most. Also, the, one of the important numbers is the what would be the cost of Ukraine reconstruction. The numbers are different depending on the source and how you calculate, and also there is not enough data. But based on the different sources, uh, including Ukraine reconstruction conference, which happened in Lagana last year, the cost of Ukraine reconstruction as of, as at the moment of the risk report is between 350 billion to 750 billion dollars. But that's very rough estimates and probably the more war continues, the higher would be the, the number to do that. So, Anna, I hand over to you. Many thanks for this, like, wonderful and short or no, oh, yeah. But let's get back to the news that happened over this last week. On April 26, Vladimir Zelensky had a phone conversation with the president of China, Xi Jinping. The first one seeing the full-scale invasion began. Direct speech of Volodymyr Zelensky. During the Avalon conversation, we discussed the full range of current issues in bilateral relations. 
Special attention was paid to ways of possible cooperation aimed at, at establishing a just and sustainable peace for Ukraine. No one desires peace more than the Ukrainian people. We are on our own land and fighting for our future, exercising the inherent right to self-defense. Peace must be fair and sustainable based on the principles of international law and respect for the United Nations Charter. There can be no peace at the expense of territorial compromises. The territorial integrity of Ukraine must be restored within the borders of 1991. 44 Ukrainian defenders returned home in a prisoner swap on April 26. And there was a video that you can see on internet, on Twitter, on TikTok, where our soldiers are crying just by eating an apple. They were waiting for this apple for like a year. And you can see that they lost more than 20 kilos. So you can just imagine what they faced in the captivity in Russia. Anton Gerashenko, advisor to the Minister of Internal Affairs of Ukraine, reports on Twitter this morning. Russian rocket attack on Mykolaiv last night. A residential building, two private homes and a historical building were hit. One person dead, 23 wounded, one of them a child, as of now. Russia continues terrorizing civilians. This is their war. And as we promised, we would show you some cultural aspects of Ukraine. And today we want to start with a day in the history of Ukraine. April 27, 1995, day of establishment of the state treasury of Ukraine. 2010, the Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine ratified an agreement on the extension of the stay of the Russian Black Sea Fleet in Ukraine until 2042, in exchange for a discount on the, on the price of gas. Very bad decisions. So yeah, the, uh, uh, as I told before, Russia used gas price is one of the ways to push Ukraine and other countries to to do whatever they want. And in 2010, before that, Ukraine signed very unbeneficial gas supply contract with huge prices. Uh, so Russia tried to use 2010 just you keep our fleet in exchange for this discount for your gas price. Once again, that was a terrible decision, but to which Ukraine was forced to do in 2010. This decision also contributed to the increasing number of Russian forces on Crimean Peninsula, which contributed to annexation of Crimea in 2014, and which now keeps contributing to uh, Russian attacks over Ukrainian territory. Looks like Russia and Ukraine have never been friends. Yeah, so they tried to tell us that we are friends, uh, brothers, uh, and so on. Probably in some of the future episodes we elaborate on this kind of narratives which Russia tried to tell us. Uh, Do you have any relatives in Russia, by the way? No, I don't. Me as well. <laughs> we'll speak probably in one of the next episodes about that. Also, we want to share you some parts of your Ukrainian culture and language is one of integral parts of the culture. And we, each week we would like to show some Ukrainian words with you. And one of this word of this week, which uh, is we believe symbolic to start this podcast. Today's Ukrainian word of the week is Vidvaga, which translates in English as bravery. In Ukrainian, Vidvaga means the state of readiness to act uh, despite of possible risks and obstacles that may be encountered on the path to, to achieving a goal. So bravery is an important part and trait for success in any endeavor. And in 
there's been a lot of examples of bravery uh, Ukraine showing uh, to the world, but except of Ukraine showing this bravery, there might many countries and people in the world showing their bravery while supporting Ukraine by supplies, by hosting Ukrainian refugees, or by joining uh, Ukrainian foreign legion to help Ukraine fight for independence. So I believe this concludes our first episode of our podcast. And in, in the beginning, you've heard uh, the beginning of my story from the book Inner Light. And there are 17, 16 more stories, 17 included me. Uh, it's a project by the Fighting Words organization. And there are 17 wonderful stories, memoirs of Ukrainians who faced this brutal war. Those, those stories are, are very touching. It's, it's also supported by pictures of their stories. Are these books are on bookshelves? Can you find this, or you need to go to the Fighting Wars organization? Fighting Wars organization website. Yeah, so, if you want to learn more about these personal stories, go search for Fighting Wars and their inner light book publication with the personal stories of Ukrainians and their memoirs. So, thank you for listening to us and joining us. In the upcoming episodes, we will tell you more about key events, what's happening on the way in Ukraine. We would try to focus more on what you don't see and read on regular media. And we try to invite more guests from the ground to speak and share their stories with you. As well as we will talk in the future episodes more in details about Siege of Mariupol, about plans for pre-construction, I would say, in positive way of Ukrainian infrastructure in Ukraine in more details about the mining operations which are happening in Ukraine and will happen because as of now, Ukraine is one of the most mined countries in the world. And we would also debunk more Russian propaganda myths with you. Thank you for being with us. Be brave, follow us on social media, ask your questions. We will try to answer all of them. See you next week. Hear you next week. Or, or both. Or both. <laughs> 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 <laughs>